Welcome to Around Kansas. I'm Deb Goodrich. And I'm Michelle Martin. And we are going to take you to some of our favorite forts today in honor of Memorial Day weekend. So we want to recall not just the veterans who died in service recently, but those in the past of Kansas whose sacrifices were just as important. And behind me is a photograph taken by my friend Jane Humphrey Pierce. This is at Fort Harker. And this was during the 150th anniversary of the Forsyth Scouts. So this was the Grand Scythe Scouts that actually encompassed four sites. We went from Fort Harker, 150 years to the day the Scouts were sworn in. And the swearing in was done by a descendant of Henry Inman who swore them in on that day at the desk Henry Inman News. So that was pretty doggone awesome. Had a lot of descendants taking part in this. Then the next weekend we went to Fort Hayes. The next weekend we went to Fort Wallace. The next weekend we were at the Beecher Island Battleground site near Ray, Colorado. So it was an incredible collaboration between all these sites and tons of people to make this happen. And this morning, I'm coming to you from the luxuriously appointed officer's quarters at Fort Hayes. Fort Hayes is, of course, one of numerous military forts uh, that were helping to guard the Santa Fe Trail, other trails, and the frontier in Kansas. And this uh, actually is, of course, featured in Kansas Forts and Bases. And... I say if you're going to be on a military post, you might as well come in with rank because rank has privileges. So I would prefer to be an officer's wife because this would be my living situation. Yes, rank affords you wallpaper and just all kinds of cool stuff that we exactly. might today. Lamps, you know, just upholstered furniture, all mm -hmm. kinds of fancy things, carpets, rugs. Nice stuffed mattresses to sleep on, uh, on your beds instead of uh, just a bedroll. Yeah, there were so many advantages. So, yeah, one of my, my favorite sites is Fort Harker. And you've got, um, what, three or four original buildings there. Some of those are um, part of the historic Fort Guardhouse Museum complex. And there's a couple that are private residences. So that's a pretty neat thing. Our friend Greg Heller, old mm -hmm. Sart, is in charge there and just has some tremendous artifacts and gives a great tour of the site. So we highly encourage you to visit Fort Harker, which is um, at Canopolis, which is just south of Ellsworth. So if you're going to Ellsworth, take in those historic sites and then just go the short ride down to Fort Harker and say hello to Greg. Definitely. And, you know, Fort Harker uh, actually recently uh, has produced a documentary uh, that is about the history of the fort that is fantastic. And I know it aired on PBS regionally there in Kansas. Um, and I know our, our good friend, Greg Heller, Sarge, uh, was integral in making that documentary a reality. So if you want to learn more about Fort Harker, 
definitely check them out online or give them a call. And if you are interested, you can purchase that documentary from the Guardhouse Museum there. And Sarge will set you up. And if you do, uh, go ahead and order. Tell him that Deb and Michelle told you to because we there's one thing we know, it's who's making great documentary film in Kansas. So that documentary we were uh, very involved in and Dr. Jake got uh, some of our friends to participate in recreating a few scenes. And that was actually done on Brent Bertrand's ranch, which is uh, between Wallace and Oakley, like um, closer to Russell Springs. His ranch is actually the site of the Henshaw Station on the Smoky Hill Trail. And thanks to, to Brent and Sheila for letting us use it. It was spectacular. And Michelle and I were talking about storms the other day and reenacting is another occupation where the storms um, can be an issue. And they were that day. Um, they wrapped up filming very quickly as a storm was moving in and a few people got wet but man, it was ferocious once that storm hit. Um, I had actually not being uh, costumed and not being necessary, had actually left after I took a few pictures and smartly went to the Fort Wallace Museum to take shelter long before there was any danger. So there you have it. Definitely. Well, you know, Deb, I, I'm always amazed at when we think there's nothing more we can know about the past or when we think we've found maybe all the documents that we can, how all of a sudden documents come to life. And when I think about Fort Hayes, I think about um, a, a friend of ours um, who was just a giant in the world of Civil War history, Brian Pahanka. Uh, because Brian um, and his wife Cricket are, came across the diary of Annie Gibson Roberts, who becomes Annie Gibson Yates eventually. And Annie spent a summer at Fort Hayes with none other than the Custers and her eventual husband, uh, Captain Yates. And, uh, you know, so just when we thought we couldn't learn anymore, we get this additional voice uh, as to what was happening and what was life like at Fort Hayes. And Annie uh, is actually, she's a charming little writer. Um, and it's amazing how she's just casually writing about the daily life on post. But, you know, she's dropping names like, um, I went up to Mrs. Benteen, as in, you know, the wife of the Benteen. And she loaned me Mrs. Mullock's Woman's Kingdom, which I read today. I sewed until my thread gave out. We called on Mrs. Ovenshine, and this evening, Mrs. Custer and Miss Custer called on me. Major Van Vost called. I took a walk with him, and we called on Mrs. Baird. Colonel Hale called on me and asked to take me to church. Colonel Cook was here for a short time. Aunt and I went over to Mrs. Benteen's. I mean, right there, the number of names that she has casually dropped in one diary entry are reading like a who's who of 19th century military frontier post history. Absolutely. And uh, Vost that she mentioned will later become the commander at Fort Wallace. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's not a name that a lot of people recognize today, maybe, but whoa, he had yeah. an 
incredible career. And we're going to talk about him on, on uh, around Kansas one day because uh, absolutely fascinating, including one fact that I'll go ahead and share with you. While they were stationed at Fort Wallace, his wife gave birth to a 17-pound baby. And I can guarantee you that folks will remember nothing else from today except that some woman had a 17-pound baby. I know. Wow. It was in all the newspapers because obviously that was not a common occurrence, thank goodness. But yeah, so there you have Van Post. <laughs> I hurt just thinking about that. I know. I know. God bless that poor woman. Yeah. Wallace. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. goodness. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, Annie's, Annie's diary and her recollections of being at Fort Hayes are really, ch they're, they're charming, but they're also, um, it's really cute. She says, you know, Sunday at a military post marches along pretty much as any other day. The sun seems to shine warmer. I read and wrote and took a nap in the evening. I went over to chapel. Mr. Collins read a pretty good sermon. Major Van Vost was there. He came over to see us afterwards. Captain Hale came afterward and we took our walk. He said he could not get here any sooner on account of a stable call and an unfortunate adventure. One of his horses went too close to a skunk. I mean, so, you know, it's the things that are written about to us today seem, oh, that's petty, it's mundane. But when you're at Fort Hayes, and there's not, I mean, yes, the community of Hayes is around you, but there's not a lot else. And, you know, the post is really the social mover and shaker of the area. And so her mentioning all of these various people that come to visit and people who are asking her to go for walks, you know, she was a gorgeous woman. She was absolutely beautiful. In the time period, she would have been called exceedingly handsome. Um, and she was genteel and refined. And really, I think she was kind of the, the cutest thing to hit post since Libby Custer. And so all of the eligible men were, boy, the minute she came to visit post, man, the eligible officers were lining up down the sidewalk, knocking on the door, leaving their calling cards uh, in the parlor to be able to escort her to church or take her for a walk. Uh, but eventually she and Libby and some of the other women go on a buffalo hunt with, uh, with George Armstrong Custer and the other men, and they outfit ambulances. And she writes at great length about how comfortable it is to ride in the ambulance versus other modes of conveyance. Um, and I guarantee you that ambulance, which is just a wagon, <laughs> folks, it's just a um, it's just a fancy name for a wagon, you know, it may be outfitted a little differently, but it's just a wagon, you know, it's, it's no big whoop compared to other stuff. So if that was the most comfortable conveyance around, uh, that's not saying much for yeah. the other. Exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, so I absolutely, I, I love Annie's diary. It's charming. Um, I have to say, I still, I still have, I still dream about um, creating a two-woman uh, play with our good friend Marla Matkin, who has been portraying Libby Custer for many, many years. Um, I would love to get a custom-made wig, and I would love to dress um, 
uh, copy Annie's style of dress. I would love to have a two woman play with Marla Matkin as Libby Custer and myself as Annie. And we could either be at Fort Hayes or it could be after the unfortunate events for the men of the 7th Cavalry at uh, Little Bighorn or the Greasy Grass uh, because Annie's husband died that day along with, along with George Armstrong Custer. And uh, Libby and Annie kept in touch for many years after that. And I've always thought it would be interesting if those two women could sit together and have afternoon tea on the anniversary of the battle years down the road, five years, eight years, 10 years down the road, what would they talk about? Yeah. Would they reminisce about those happy times at Fort Hayes? I mean, look at the parlor behind you, you know, um, they were living high on the hog there as officers, wives and guests. Would they talk about those happy times or would they reminisce back about where they were and what they were doing when they got the awful news? Or would it be a mix of both? Um, I just, I would have loved to be the historical fly on the wall um, to see, to hear those women's conversations in the past. Again, nosy historians, here we are wanting to butt into everybody's business. So where else are we going today, Michelle? Well, uh, obviously Fort Hayes. Um, and I think we wanna talk about Fort Harker as well, don't we? Um, the importance of Fort Harker and the role that it plays uh, cannot be understated really. No, and it uh, might not get mentioned as often in the history books. It is a, um, I think, um, like a city museum now or uh, affiliated with the town there at Ellsworth or the county. And so it is, um, uh, it's remarkable that with the challenges of preserving historic sites that they've done such a good job mm -hmm with preserving Fort Harker. And Greg is the only full-time employee, I believe. I think they get some volunteers occasionally mm -hmm. and maybe a part-time person every now and then. Um, the uh, junior officer's quarters is appointed there and open. And mm -hmm. that's very nice. It's not quite as nice as the officer's quarters would be. Um, and then you've got, what is it, part of the uh, senior officer's quarters that's mm -hmm. open and part is um, office space and a kitchen for a lot of the events that they hold there. Yeah. Um, some of the famous people were, that were there, uh, Michelle mentioned Benteen mm -hmm. and he was in command there for a while. Um, Sheridan, uh, General Sheridan was a mm -hmm. visitor and you can see the room that he stayed in while he was there. Um, if I remember right, and uh, sometimes, you know, my memory's lapsing, I think this is where Phil Sheridan and Stonecalf, one of the Cheyenne chiefs, have a confrontation. And, and little Phil gets pretty testy, and Stonecalf yeah. gets pretty testy. And it's, a, um, it's something I'm researching for another project. So uh, Fort Harker, um, you had uh, Sternberg there as the yeah. surgeon. So there's so many, again, Western names that, that become um, written down, that are later written down in the history books that are very significant in Westward expansion. So um, you can learn a lot going to Fort Harker and it's really pretty. It's a very, very pretty place. You know, Deb, when I first moved to Kansas, um, 
I had done living history when I lived in Michigan before, but we do a lot earlier period in Michigan. Um, we do quite a bit of, we do a lot of French and Indian period, but we do a lot of war of 1812. And um, we do a lot of 1830s, 1840s homesteading type impressions. When I moved to Kansas, I started getting into the 1850s, 1860s. And I actually used to uh, run with the 8th Kansas Infantry, mm-hmm. uh, their unit. And one of the things I loved, and also along with the 8th Kansas, um, Herschel and Jackie Stroud in the Frontier Medical Brigade. And one of my favorite living history events that we ever did actually was a Civil War era event. It was at Fort Harker and we had everything set up. And it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, The people in the town came out in large numbers to support it. People from surrounding communities came in. Um, I mean, we had people coming in from Topeka and Kansas City and people coming from Wichita and all over to see um, the living history events that were taking place. And it was wonderful. And I had such a great time. Um, As a matter of fact, I... I used to, you know, pitch me, you know, I used to have an A-frame, an A-frame tent. So I used to do my A-tent, pop up my A-tent and my bedroll and unpack my things in the tent and sleep in the tent. And it was absolutely wonderful uh, because we were sleeping there on the grounds of the fort and had a campfire going in the evening. And it was, it was fantastic. Um, you just got a sense of timelessness in place when you were there. And so I can't recommend stopping to visit Fort Harker enough. Um, Again, like you say, they're a little more off the beaten path, if you will, in some ways. Um, They don't get quite as much attention as the Fort Scotts and the Leavenworths and the Rileys and others, Uh, but they have such an important story to tell and to share. So you have to stop and visit Fort Harker and you've got to tell them, you have to tell Sarge that Deb and Michelle sent you. Uh, because we absolutely think Fort Harker is a hidden gem. It really is. We're going to be right back with some more hidden gems for you, so stay with us. In 1821, a trade route was opened from Missouri in the United States across prairies and mountains to Mexico. In 2021, we will mark 200 years of epic conflicts and grand adventures, larger-than-life personalities, and sweeping landscapes. Join us on an historic journey. The Santa Fe Trail lives on. Find us on social media or santafetrail.org. Welcome to the Western Kansas Wildlife Travel Center right here in my hometown of Oakley, Kansas. We're the front door of Western Kansas located on three main highways, I-70, US-83, and US-40. And all those roads lead to history, beautiful scenery, and adventure no matter which direction you go. We now have an IHOP brand that you've trusted up and down the road in all your travels is staffed with local folks, real people, just like you and me, and we're waiting on you to join us. So for fun, adventure, fuel up, fuel your body, and let's have some fun.
morning. It's Friday Fun Day on Around Kansas, and I'm Michelle Martin. I'm Deb Goodrich. And today we are taking you to some of our frontier military forts. We've talked about Fort Harker that you see behind me and Fort Hayes. And now Deb's going to take us to another location connected to our military veterans. Memorial Day is designed to honor the veterans who died in action. Veterans Day in the fall honors all veterans, but Memorial Day honors veterans who were killed in action or died as a result of wounds that occurred in action. And the frontier forts that Michelle and I have shared with you today have their share of those stories, um, more than we would like to um, talk about probably. And one of the ways that those soldiers and modern soldiers are honored is at the State Veterans Cemetery at Wakini. And every year on Memorial Day, Dr. Jake and his cavalry reenacting group go through the services at the cemetery and honor the soldiers from the past. So you have um, a lot of the service that um, involves maybe family, of people who were buried there recently or you know, in uh, um, the past decade or two, I'm trying to remember, I think it's only been there for a couple of decades now, but Jake and his buddies honor the soldiers that died in the past. And with the anniversary of World War I, they wore World War I uniforms and honored those veterans. Um, most of the time they're honoring veterans from the Civil War or the Plains Indian Wars. I think they may have even done Span Am at some point. So one year they honored the uh, Forsyth Scouts. So that's who you see behind me is Dr. Jake and Stan Copeland, who is a retired army chaplain. And they are just two of the cavalry troop. And they, as part of their procession, they lead a riderless horse. And that is a long tradition in the cavalry. And uh, many of you remember seeing photos, if you weren't alive at the time, of the riderless horse that followed John F. Kennedy's casket that was on a caisson, which is a, a military um, military vehicle. You know, caissons are what they use to move cannons. So that is part of that military service. And the riderless horse, of course, represents the soldier that is gone just like the flying formation in the Air Force mm -hmm. with one plane missing um, denotes that an airman has, has passed. So the boots will be turned backwards, you know, in the stirrups. <laughs> yeah, I get teary. <laughs> um, it's an incredible ceremony. And um, these guys are really proud to be part of it. It's, it's amazing to watch. If you've never, if you've not had the opportunity to go to Wakini and see the procession and participate just as an observer, do yourself a favor and go. It is really worth it because one, you learn about our veterans who gave the ultimate sacrifice in the past, those who we have lost in the present, uh, but you also see the dedication and the commitment to preserving their memory 
that we have with you know Dr. Jake and his fellow cavalry cavalry riders, um, and the residents of Wakini who are so proud that this takes place in their community every year. Um, and you know this happens across Kansas. Um, I lived in Fort Scott for many years, and at uh, at Fort Scott we have Fort Scott National Cemetery number one, and every year for Memorial Day and for Veterans Day, we have various ceremonies. And in particular, Memorial Day, uh, they put flags out on all of the graves. And it is nothing short of incredible and sobering and breathtaking to see, um, to pull in the drive through the gate and to see um, not only just the field of headstones, but the small flags that are on each of the headstones. Um, we have Union dead buried there. We have Confederate dead buried there. We have unknowns buried there. We have a monument to the losses suffered by the first Kansas colored. Um, many other groups as well. And so uh, Fort Scott um, also with its cemetery pays tribute to those who gave they're everything. They gave their lives for our country. Um, and so seeing that really brings it to home. It, it makes it human. It humanizes it. It's not just a name that you read in a history book. It's not just a series of numbers. It's not just over 600,000 dead in the Civil War. When you walk the grounds of the cemetery and you see that marker and you see that small flag on Memorial Day and you read that person's name, you know, now today we can go back, we can hop on fold three, we can look at their military service record and you can learn more about that person, but being there that humanizes it. And I think that's why what Dr. Jake and his compadres are doing in honoring those men and women is so incredibly important. It really is. And you mentioned Herschel and Jackie Stroud earlier and uh, Randy Durbin, you know, one of our dear friends who does ceremonies at um, the historic Topeka Cemetery. And, you know, I have to recall a couple of guys um, and they would go to dozens of cemeteries and put little bouquets of flowers on um, the graves of the veterans uh, who had died in service. And I'm like, I, I just can't believe they would go from Kansas down into um, Arkansas and Oklahoma and mm -hmm. you know over to Missouri and just just wonderful and um, mm -hmm. like Jack has passed on and Dale has moved down to Arkansas and retired so they're not around but I sure miss them and I I just admire so much what they did and somebody else I have to give a shout out to is Melissa Jarbo who founded the, the Military Veterans Project in honor of her husband, Jamie Jarbo, who was wounded and died as a result of that um, just um, a few years ago. And not only does Melissa do events on Memorial Weekend, but she helps veterans throughout the year and uh, has a special place in her heart for disabled veterans and the families of veterans who have um, died. And she is a force to be reckoned with. She, 
she lobbies, she raises money, she, she is there as a friend and comforter. She is one of the most amazing people I know. And you know, Deb, that brings up an issue that's really difficult to talk about, but I think is important as we're talking about, we're leading up to Memorial Day. Um, not all of our veterans who die, die in combat. Many come home wounded uh, physically and emotionally. And we have many servicemen and service women who unfortunately take their own lives because of the trauma that they've experienced while in, the, while in military service to our nation. And in our, in our country, there's such a stigma attached to suicide and mental health issues. But I think we need to normalize talking about the lives of our men and our servicemen and women that are lost when they come home and they're not able to make that successful transition from military life to civilian life and the traumas that they've endured. Um, I'm sure you have, as, just as I have, have had individuals have known um, men or women who have served, who have taken their lives. A very, a very dear friend of mine, and I'll, I'll just say um, uh, his, his name was Scott and he was, a veteran of the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. And he had a he had great difficulty um, from the time he came home uh, until he took until he sadly took his life. And he was one of those individuals who, when he was at reenacting events, was he was absolutely the life of the party. And everybody loved him dearly. Um, he ref he always got cast as um, either he always got cast as my big brother in uh, scenes when we would be at Fort Scott doing candlelight tour or other events. Somehow he always got paired as my big brother. And so he always called me sis or little sis. And I always called him my brother. I always called him um, my brother from, I said, my brother from another mother. And, you know, it's, we need to make sure also that those men and women who left us after they served are also remembered as well. Um, because when I look at their, their deaths, I, I attribute that to their service and what they endured while in service. And I feel that even though some of those individuals opted to take their own life, I still feel that they should be considered a casualty of war, just like those who have given their lives on the battlefield um, to me, to me personally, there's no difference. And so the work that we see different veterans organizations now doing to honor those men and women is so necessary and so important. To support them and their families, mm -hmm. and, um, just um, provide shelter from the storm. Exactly. It's, it, that is so important. So we're hoping that this Memorial Day that um, between all the activities and we know that, you know, that three day weekend is a chance for families to get together and, and maybe go to the lake or have a barbecue, but do take the time to um, visit one of the services at, as Michelle said, cemeteries throughout the state. And I don't care how small your community is, they are probably having um, a service somewhere. 
and the one um, Wakini State Cemetery has Facebook page. Um, a lot of them have um, um, schedules with the town, maybe if you look up the little town, a lot of times they'll be listed there. And sometimes the VFW that helps with their services will um, have a schedule too. You, they might have that posted somewhere or you can call them and find out. And, you know, thank goodness for those VFW and American Legion posts yes. that help with all those ceremonies that get out and um, have the, the buglers and, and the, as you said, place the flags and all mm -hmm. the things they do to honor their comrades. Definitely. And I know um, if you're in the eastern part of the state, um, if you um, want to visit the cemetery at Fort Scott, um, you can always check with the Fort Scott Chamber of Commerce and their tourism folks to see. They can connect you to find out if they are having events at the cemetery. I know um, you'll want to check also um, Fort Scott National Historic Site normally does living history interpretation on Memorial Day weekend and it is geared toward um, the history of Memorial Day and also remembering um, our veterans who died in service. And they tell you the stories of the men and women who were stationed at Fort Scott in its, in its lifetime. And especially those who died in service, they share those stories. So contact the fort. You can look them up on the web to see if they're holding um, events. Now with more people being vaccinated, um, and we're seeing better weather. Um, a lot of places are now able to hold some more outdoor events safely, um, you know, given uh, the restrictions we've had with COVID. So definitely check out Fort Scott. Um, you know, you can find um, so much of that information online and definitely do take some time out of that Memorial Day weekend to stop and reflect and pay tribute to those who gave the greatest sacrifice and that would be their lives. We hope you have a blessed Memorial weekend and we will see you back on Monday. So please join us for Discovering History on Mondays and look back through our archives because we have a lot of Memorial Day stories. We have a lot uh, on the history of different um, cemeteries, national cemeteries, and state cemeteries in Kansas. So there's just a lot and a lot of veteran stories in our archive. So take the time to check those out. In the meantime, I'm Deb Goodrich. I'm Michelle Martin. And we will see you somewhere around uh, Kansas. Kansas. Thank you. Goodbye. Howdy. I'm Seth Hayes and welcome to my hometown from then to now. Council Grove has a rich history as deep as the prairie tall grass. Spend the day visiting 25 historic sites or explore the unique shops and restaurants or mosey out of town along the Santa Fe Trail. Y'all visit my hometown, Council Grove, in the heart of the Flint Hills. Okay, looks like it's time for our tour. Welcome to the Fort Wallace Museum. Here at the museum, you're gonna find some really interesting stuff like our replica stagecoach from the Butterfield Overland Dispatch. We've got facades from the fort buildings, and we've got an 1870s flag. There's a plesiosaur that was discovered locally. We've got the Ray pump organ collection. 
We're a little bee place with a great big story and we'd love to have you.